You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This is kind of an interesting word for me. And in, in this, there's not a lot of scripture, but everything's scriptural. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this is the heart of God. We're talking about it, but it, it wasn't something I, in, in my prep and in talking about the Lord, it wasn't anything that I needed to prove the point that he was trying to make. Does that make sense? There wasn't anything about this where the Lord's like, yeah, you're going to need to make sure that they see that this is found in scripture. It's like, no, if they can't find this or come up the scriptures at the top of their head, we've got a different problem to talk about. And so it's just very clear. This is, this is not a sermon. This is not a teaching. This is just a word. You hear what I'm saying? This is a word of knowledge. It's a, it's a word of revelation. It's, it's a word to make sure this is not a, this is not a something that we need to change. This is a something that we just need to be making sure exists within us. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, last week, uh, we talked that this main statement, and I, I can't get away from this quote, but we stop short of experience when we become satisfied with knowledge. And this has been the Christian model uh, for far too long, and it is the result of dismissing the Holy Spirit from our lives, dismissing His revelation, His gifts, and His fruits. Uh, When we do this, when we dismiss the Holy Spirit, all we are left with is knowledge of the unseen. And how helpful can knowledge of the unseen be? Not very helpful. And get you started. But, for example, this word is not meant to stand alone without the Spirit of God. Because this is a reflection of the heart of God, written by the Spirit. And who of us know the heart of God but the Spirit that is in Him? Not a one of us do. It's only by the Spirit of God that revelation of His heart can even come to us. The same method to how this word was written. But what we've done is we've dismissed the Holy Spirit and what we're left with is to interpret a book without the author. And so we come to our own conclusions and we get kind of, things get kind of screwy, right? And we start, we start pursuing knowledge of the unseen and because knowledge can't answer all the questions of the unseen, we start coming up with stories of our own, reasons of our own. Again, we talked about this several weeks ago, but we begin to form theology within ourselves, and not around revelation of the Holy Spirit. We form what we believe to be truth instead of allowing He who has sent us to lead us into truth to lead us into truth. We don't let Him because we've dismissed Him. And so when we do this, all we're left with is knowledge of the unseen, but no access to revelation. Jesus not only calls the Holy Spirit the Helper, Right? We know this. We've seen this. We've read this. Jesus says that it is necessary for me to go now because I will, and and when I go and return to my Father, I will send the helper to you. The Holy Spirit is that helper, the helper that's meant to uh, unlock for us the potential that we have as vessels and sons and daughters. But he also says in John 16, uh, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, 
He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will not take what is mine and declare it to you. For, for he, sorry, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Even the Spirit of God, this is important. The Spirit of God, who is called the Spirit of Truth. So some could question, or some could pose the argument, can you discover truth without the Holy Spirit if He is the Spirit of Truth? He is the author. Truth is found in Him. He is the Spirit of it. Okay? So some could say that without Him, you cannot discover truth. It is only by Him that we are led into truth. That's what it says right here. But it also says that he does not speak of his own accord. He he declares what the Father reveals to to be declared. He speaks of the Father's authority, of that authority, and in that place he does not speak of his own accord. And when we dismiss him, and we begin to teach from the pulpit, and in discipleship groups and different things like that, when we've dismissed him and we begin to teach Who is now speaking of their own accord? Are we speaking of his accord or are we speaking of our own? We're speaking of our own accord. We're speaking of that which is rooted within me, not that which is rooted within him. We can't teach from that place. We need the Holy Spirit to know truth. And we need and we are meant to experience the Holy Spirit Spirit in our daily lives. The world needs a people who display the nature of God. It says in 2 Corinthians that God is making His appeal through us, that we would put on display the nature of God in His heart towards those around us. But that is impossible to do without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I I could really rush through that last statement, but that's, that's a bold statement. And so I want us to make sure that we hear that. It is impossible to put on display the nature of God without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it. You can sit here and you can argue with me till you are blue in the face. And I will simply tell you Jesus. Jesus spoke not of his own accord, but what the Father revealed to him. What does he say in John 5? The Son does nothing of his own accord, but only what the Father reveals to him. He didn't speak, he didn't teach, he didn't operate. When he was baptized and received the Holy Spirit, he did nothing of his own accord, but that which the Spirit of the Lord revealed to him that was for him. So it is impossible to display God. If Jesus didn't do it without the Holy Spirit, what makes us think that we could display God without the Holy Spirit? Cannot do it. And the world is in no need of people who can only offer knowledge. We don't need any more really, really smart theologians. That's not what we need. We've got a lot. There's plenty of them. We don't need any more. We have been anointed to display Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've not been anointed to learn about Him, to just have a lot of knowledge around Him. You have been anointed to display Him. That the, the presence of God, the nature of God would be made manifest as they see your story. 
You have been anointed to do such a thing, to reflect the nature and the heart of God to those around you, not just talk about Him. So the real question that we asked last week is just, can we experience Him? Can we get ourselves to stop stopping short of experience and continue to press in that we would have experience, that we would have our own testimonies of the fruits of the Spirit, of the gifts of the Spirit, that we ourselves, that Parker would have testimony of the miraculous nature of God, of, of words of knowledge, of, of the prophetic Spirit, of all these things that I would have testimony of it. Not that I would read about somebody else's testimony in Indonesia or somewhere like that and count it as my own. The Lord wants us to have our own experiences. But for too long, the church has clung to others' experiences and counted it and credited it as something that we experienced. But we didn't. We didn't experience that. It's great to hear testimony. Testimony is an opportunity for the Spirit to do in you what He did in the person speaking. But we have got to press into that opportunity. Do you hear what I'm saying? We've got to press into that opportunity for testimony to be written in us. We are made for Him. And all that we need to do is start to get to know Him. Open our hearts to experience with Him. And as I said at the beginning, I've had, I've had an old lesson on my heart for a few weeks. And today I'm just going to share this, this lesson with you that, that came out of, of mentorship and discipleship. Um, there was a time where Sarah was my boss in ministry. Bless her heart. Because I was, I was the typical college male. Uh, couldn't be anywhere on time. Didn't know where my phone was or what we were supposed to do until they, she would call us and say, like, hey, you were supposed to be here an hour ago to do this that you volunteered for. I'm like, whoops. Um, but I was a part of this. It was called the Armor Bearer Program, and it, which is such a cool name when you think of what an armor bearer was. And each minister at this church, each pastor had an armor bearer had a person that was like their right-hand person. And Sarah was that for Kendall. And so I worked for both of them within the college ministry under Kendall McDonald. And at the beginning of this, when, when I wanted to be a part of this and I wanted to do this, I wanted to uh, join the discipleship school that Kendall was starting, which is so funny because that school is still going on today. And that school, the heart of that school started right here in this sanctuary. Discipleship school was deliverance ministry. That's all it was. It was, delivering, it was equipping us, college students, to lead people through deliverance. And that started right here in this house. So you need to know, and that's still going on today. Sarah and I were a part of the first class of discipleship school. That's still taking place. There's a lot more. We had like 10 people in our first class. There's a lot more than that. They've got like schedules now, right? Multiple classes, multiple teachers. All we, all we got, I say all we got like it was a bad thing, but we just got Kindle for a lot of weeks teaching us. It was profound. It was amazing. And with some of my closest friends in the world, too. So it was just an absolute blast. But before we could do this, before I could be a part of this team, this experience, I had to come in and I had to sign a contract. And I had to, and what it was, it wasn't a, a contract of employment or anything like that, but what it was was, was Kendall's expectations for this position of ministry 
in, in his vision that the Lord had given him, because who was the college minister? He was. I wasn't. Sarah wasn't. He was. So who was anointed to receive the vision for college ministry? He was. And so he would present this to each and every one of us had to do this, and we had to sign it, saying that we would abide by these things that are within the vision given to him for this ministry. And so we signed it. And there were several things reading through that sheet of paper in his office. So I was like, what? I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't want to do that. It, that was mainly what it was. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. That was all it was. It wasn't like I was theologically taking a stand. There towards the end, I had some theological points that I had come to myself, some different convictions. But all, and, and I, talked, I shared this with Kendall because Kendall and I had a very open relationship. I just kind of talked to him about some of the things like, I don't see the point in this. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't understand the point in this. And his simple response to me was, you don't have to see the point in it. You don't have to understand it. Before you can lead vision, you have to learn how to serve someone else's. You hear what I'm saying? Before you can lead your own vision, you have to learn what it is to serve someone else's. We get that backwards in the world today, don't we? Being a servant, being someone that serves others, is it's just, oh, bless their heart kind of thing. But it's not anything that we value in our society. If you want to get ahead, you don't start by starting at the bottom and serving. You, you get ahead by taking people out of the way and taking their stuff. You don't, you don't get there by serving and being selfless. You do it by being selfish. But to serve someone else's vision that is not your own is a selfless thing. It's a difficult thing to do. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Hear this. I had a hard time with this. But to lead vision, one must first learn to serve vision. Who in here, I hope it's more than just me, but who in here has, has hopes and dreams for Sundown Texas? Every one of us, right? Every single one of us. If you don't have hopes and dreams for Sundown Texas, come see me after. We've got to have a conversation. Okay? We've got to unlock your dreams for Sundown Texas. I, I have those too. You know that I have those too. You guys hear that more from me because I've got the microphone and I'm up here. right? And that's part of my job is, is receiving vision from the Lord in regards to this city and the things that He wants to do in it. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have visions. We have ideas. We have things that we want to see done here. But are we serving the vision that He has already released to us? Are we serving His visions first, or are we just simply seeking to establish that which is found within us? Are we just ask, are we serving the visions that He has released, the, the revelation that He has brought over the last several years? Are we serving that? Are we staying anchored to that, remembering it often? Or are we just asking Him to honor our own visions? This is what I would like to see, Lord. And I, I guarantee that anybody in here that has ever prayed that prayer, because every one of us has prayed that prayer, right? Like, this is what I would love to see in this city. Every one of us has prayed it. And there wasn't a, it wasn't like, I want to see more crime, Jesus. No one, no one prayed a bad thing after that, right? There wasn't anything followed that was negative after that. It was only positive because it originated in a good place. 
But where did it originate? It originates in us. And we get sidetracked with the, the things that we want to see do. It, it's exciting things. I have to remember this all the time because I get sidetracked by the things that I want to see happen right now. I'm not a patient person. I'm not a patient person. Um, I do very poorly with unfinished projects. I do, it's not where I shine. And even things that are meant to take time. If you tell me something's supposed, it's going to take a year for us to get there, in my heart, nah, just give me 24 hours and we'll be there. And it's just not going to happen, right? But that's who I am. I struggle with that. Um, I struggle with that a lot and, and, until I bought my own land and realized that I'm going to have a project for the rest of my life. So I just need to get okay with projects not being finished. But... So I understand that. We, we have these things and we, we want them done. We want to see them right now. And those things may very well originate in the heart of God for this city. And in your relationship, you're, seeing, you're, you're receiving the overflow. But what we end up doing is we end up focusing on those things and not that which the Lord has already released. And we don't do that which He has already released for us to do. We don't abide. We don't step into that vision. We talked about this several weeks ago, but the Lord is seeking a people after His own heart, not their own. A people that are willing to do the work before the anointing. A people that are willing to do the work before they know why they're doing the work. A people that are willing to plant the tree knowing that they're never going to see the fruit of that tree. He is looking for such a people. Because in Scripture, who are the people that saw the fruit? The people that were willing to do the, the work even if they didn't see the fruit. It says throughout Scripture over and over and over and over again, the gifts of the Spirit are released to those that desire to serve those around them. Not those that desire the gifts. Those that desire to serve and love on those around them. Care for those. Be kind to those. Be compassionate to those. And the gifts of the Spirit, every time in Scripture, that's where it shows up. That's where it shows up. How many people... Walk past the man at the gate of the temple before Peter and John stopped to talk to him. How many people? All of his life, he was the, people would bring him there, sit him there all day, and then they'd pick him up and take him at the end of the day. That was his life. And two people noticed him. Genuinely noticed him. They genuinely cared. They cared for his story. They cared. They had compassion on him. Every miracle, Randy's taught us about this in great length and in, in great depth. Every miracle that we see flow from Jesus came from a place of compassion. A desire to help those around them. A desire to help those around them. That comes, uh, or that ushers in the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Church, we have, we have leadership in Sundown, Texas. We have a mayor, we have a city manager, we have city council, we have school administrators, we have school board, we have pastors, coaches, different things like that. We have, we have plenty of people in leadership positions. But as I was talking to the Lord about this and just, you know, why he brought this back up to me, uh, what is one of the easiest things that we can do to our leadership here in Sundown, Texas? Criticize. They're not doing enough. Right? They're not getting it done. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. Critical immediately. But how many of us in here 
have ever stopped to ask what their dreams are for this city? Have any, do, do any of us know what our mayor's dream is for Sundown, Texas? When he lays in bed, what he thinks about the possibilities for Sundown? Have, have we asked the superintendent what his dreams are for that school? Have we asked the president of the board what his dreams are? Have we asked, have, have we asked these people in leadership what their vision is? No, we don't know it. And what does criticism do? It creates a divide. So that I never know it. Because maybe the reason that we are dissatisfied with certain things, and I'm not saying we're all dissatisfied or anything like that, or we're mad at these people. Uh, they're in uh, service positions, and so naturally that comes with a lot of criticism, and a lot of people are mad at you, because if you do one thing for one group of people, who have you offended? The other group, right? They're, you just made somebody else really angry by doing something really nice for this person. That's just the way it goes. No one's happy. But have we ever taken a second to think that maybe the things aren't getting done because the people the Lord has anointed to serve and execute out the vision that He's given to them are unwilling to talk to them about what that vision is? What is our role? Are we just people that are supposed to come to church and do our own thing? No, what did the Lord say at the beginning of this? He said it is time for Sundown Church to make themselves known. That's not through flashy signs and big things and you know big old bright neon light that advertises Sundown Church and all this different stuff. It's through caring for our community. And then the Kindness Project started. The whole reason we do Fall Festival is an opportunity to treat people to something that otherwise they could not treat themselves to. That's the only reason we do it. To be, to just, it's a love offering towards our city. To be kind, to provide something nice and fun for these people that we love, to serve them. And so maybe, I'm, and I, again, I'm just thinking about this. This is a conversation that I'm having with the Lord. But maybe our mayor is just simply waiting on a group of people that have the ability to execute vision that he has. Because it's easy to receive vision. It's hard to execute, right? It's hard, especially without the Lord. Because if the Lord gives you vision and then you start trying to execute, how many of us have done that and we mess it up? Every one of us. I'll hold my hand. When I hold my hand up, I'm holding it up for all of you, right? We, we've done this. But the Lord is... Again, like I said at the beginning, this is not a teaching. This is, an this is a reminder of the position that we have in this city. It is leadership leading the city, but not being at the forefront, not being on the street corner, not having the megaphone, not being the title, not being the place to be, not being the loudest, but by serving this community, the Lord will bless what we are doing, and that will provide leadership to this city. But not through us standing in the front lines and leading it, but by us serving those that are in leadership positions. That's it. Even if they're not the best suited person for that job, they're there right now. And what better time is there to begin to build up this community than right now? We can't sit around and wait for the person that we like the most. There are people in place now 
that need those that are willing to serve and are willing to, to lead and to help and to stand in their corner. How many of our leader, how much of our leadership in this city, when they turn around, they see no one standing in their corner, but only people standing against them? How many times? Have, have they turned around and not seen those that are there to help them? I'm just using our city as an example because it's easy because it's a small town and everybody knows everybody. We all know these people in the positions. We've had converse. Every one of us has talked to the people in these positions, right? We know, we know these people. Do we know what their vision is for sundown? Have we made ourselves available to serve their vision? Have we made ourselves available to serve them as the Lord would guide and direct us to serve them? Have we even made ourselves available to God to serve what He would like to do through them? Do we believe that there are only certain people that God can use? Or do you believe that God can use everyone? I believe God can use everyone. For God so loved the who? World. Not a small group of people gathering in a small church in sundown. He loved the world, every single one of them. That means that it is our opportunity to serve those that are in leadership now. We get the opportunity to serve them. In a st- in a, if they don't walk with the Lord, if they don't know the Lord, what do we carry? The presence of God. So if we are there to serve them and to love them, who are they going to experience? The presence of God. And I believe it's only a matter of time when you encounter that which you are made for before you become immersed in that which you are made for. I do not believe that anyone can stand before the living God time and time again and not be changed by Him. Not be totally transformed by Him. We need to understand this as well that you don't have to agree with vision to serve it. Do we understand that? That's tough. You know who taught me that lesson the best? The man that normally sits behind that piano. Jay Winfrey. Because when I got here, I was... First, my first Sunday here, I think we were sitting right there. It was still pews, blue carpet, partitions. We've come a long way. But we listened to a CD, because Jay was in Africa. We listened to a CD, and Randy led worship to the CD. And I was like, what? What? It, what? I, don't know what I don't know how to worship to this. And that, the genuine, I didn't know how to worship to it. Because my worship had been so dependent on big stage, lights, little smoke, little fog machine for ambiance, Right? And the room was always dark. You never worshipped in a lit up room. Ever. And I came here. This was the first church I've ever worshipped in where the lights stayed on the entire service. And I did not know how to handle it. And I, I would have told you that I had, I had been a worship leader. Like, I'm, I was pretty legit. What I tell you. I've been around. And I'd done all this stuff, CDs, albums, did all those tours, all that stuff. And I came here, and you know what I realized really, really, really quick? I didn't know anything about worship. 
Because in all of that, I was serving myself and not serving vision that the Lord had given. And then I had this, this really tall guy that I didn't know yet, so it's kind of like, I don't know if he's scary or not yet. Um, but his father was scary, so I just attributed that. I thought Jay was kind of scary at the same time. And he had a very, 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 very unique vision when it came to worship. Very unique. And it offended a lot of people for a long time. Because the vision of what they thought worship should be originated in, him, in them and not in him. And he was our worship pastor. But I'm telling you right now, I know more about the heart of God when it comes to worship and praise than I ever have because of his vision. And there were so many times where I could not disagree more with what he wanted to do. And I am so grateful that the Lord smacked me on the head hard enough to where I would step into that vision and serve it angrily sometimes, frustrated, but I'm still serving him. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I, that was literally my attitude. I was like a four-year-old. Um, so immature. I thought I knew everything. I was so dumb. Anyways, I've gotten better sometimes. But you guys remember, I was, I was not a bright man. I thought I had the... I had the world figured out. Sundown was a curveball. Curveball. Okay? But because the Lord, this, and I'm giving him all the credit, because the Lord pushed me into serving that vision, I understand his heart differently. And if the Lord had not pushed me into the serving of that vision, I don't know that this woman's leading worship today. There are lives attached to our obedience and lives attached to our disobedience. There are lives attached to our selflessness and lives attached to our selfishness. Right? You hear what I'm saying? And we stand here with this team of redeemed people because of His vision that the Lord had given Him that we had to serve, that we served. And I'm grateful for that because it has built, I mean, it's, it has transformed this house. Worship is very different here. It's grown up, it's matured a lot. There's a lot of depth to it. And I was so excited for this morning just because the songs that we're singing, man, such depth of understanding. And I was just, I was reflecting as we're practicing, I'm so grateful that we get to lead those kinds of songs here. Not cookie-cutter Christian songs. I'm talking about deep stuff, the meat that require depth of understanding and a depth of relationship with the Lord. But that's all because, I'm telling you, that is all because begrudgingly and, and frustrated at times, but we chose to serve the leadership's vision. And the Lord, through that obedience of saying yes to serving a vision that was not founded in me and not my own and I did not agree with, he opened up so much more. So much more. So many more possibilities now because we are willing to serve that which did not originate in us. So you don't have to agree with the vision to serve it. But we live thinking that I have to be in agreement before I can serve, right? We do this all the time. We live in a country that is divided because, by, this, by this simple line. And all that line is, is I agree with them, I don't agree with them. So I don't want anything to do with them, but I'm going to help them. 
Because I agree with them. How many of us in here are going to agree 100% of the time? And if our agreement to one another is what dictates our service to the kingdom of heaven, we're not going to be very effective. Because I don't have to agree with you to serve what the Lord deposited in you. You hear what I'm saying? I don't have to agree with you to serve that which the Lord gave you. Period. Because it's not rooted in you. It's rooted in Him. I serve Him. I honor Him. I live for Him. We need more Christians that are willing to take that step. Again, I disagreed with Kendall all the time. But who was in the position of leadership? Who was anointed to be there? He was. It was not me. I'm not seeing the full picture. I'm not seeing the full picture of what the Lord was. I wasn't seeing the full picture of what the Lord was releasing to Kindle. I wasn't even seeing the full picture of what the Lord was releasing to Sarah because Sarah had a different depth of relationship because she was his armor bearer. I wasn't. So she understood the vision even to a deeper degree than I did. And she, even herself, she didn't understand the fullness of all that the Lord had given. There are so many times, church, where the Lord gives something and he gives, he gives a lot and He only gives me permission to release about 10%. Plenty of times. I, I once... Received, I, re, no, I mean, I received revelation for Zach Stevens. How long ago did we go to Africa? How long ago was that? 2017. I received it in Africa. And the Lord ne- would not allow me to share it until 2023. He allowed me to share pieces, but the full vision and revelation that He gave, He did not release me to speak it until this year 2023. So who am I to say that this minister's vision, Jay or Kendall, that I'm serving just because I see what they put on display that I understand the fullness of what God brought to them? We don't. We don't. We only see what the Lord allowed them to release. You hear what I'm saying? So we can't, all that to say, we can't make snap judgments towards our leadership Uh, in the churches and in this community because we only see about 10%. We only see what they allow us to see, what they reveal, but there's a lot that they don't, all right? There's a lot that they don't. We need to understand that. We do this all the time though, right? We see somebody walk in, there's people watching, right? I love going to the airport to people watch because there's just a lot of interesting people, right? And you, you, I like to ponder, like, what, what, what made you, what made you choose, choose that? What made you put that shirt on today? Why, why are you doing that? Um, and I think that, and I enjoy that, but also, what do we do? We see somebody walk by us, and all of a sudden, we believe we know everything there is to know about them. Ah, they're no good. We do this all the time in our country, right? If someone's wearing, if someone is white, boots, jeans, Cowboy hat. What side of the aisle you think they're on? Right? Everybody, oh yeah, I know. If they're an African American, what's, boom. What do you think they're going to be at? Right? We do this. We make snap judgments about everybody based on the 10%, not even 10%, the 1% of them that we see. How many of you guys have seen me 
just holy jeans and ratty looking. Plenty, plenty of times. Hunter's seen it so many times. But I like to work with my hands. And I, I'm not clean. I'm a messy worker. It's just the way it is. But I could go, I could, if, I, if people didn't know who I was and I walked into the store, no one would assume. This happens to me all the time. No one assumes that I'm a pastor of a church. Like I'm some grunt in the oil field. Some guy that's just barely making it. Or if I'm wearing my cowboy hat, they definitely don't think I'm a pastor. That's it. We make snap judgments about people all the time. And if we do that about one another, of course we do that about vision. We make a snap judgment. Oh, I hear what you're saying. I don't like what you're saying. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. The whole thing's bad. All of it stinks. And I would do that to Kendall all the time. He had one rule that I disagreed with. I thought the whole thing was a sham. It's like, this is, this is going nowhere. This is ineffective. This is dumb. And, and it was, I did the same thing to Jay. Like, what if we try this? No, I don't want to try that. Well, then you're dumb. Because this is what we need to do. Make snatch, snap judgments. But if it wasn't for the vision that the Lord had given, I'm telling you right now, this church is not where it is today. It's just not. And plenty of times, so many times, that I just was like, I don't think, Randy, I don't think that's what we need to be doing. But the Lord had given him vision, not me. He was in the position of leadership and pastor over this house. And the Lord had given him a specific ministry. And mine was different. I can't compare and I can't say that, I should be, that we should be doing anything any different because I'm not the one sitting in the seat of authority and anointing to lead this house. He was. Kendall was in the seat of authority and anointing to lead that college ministry. Jay is in the seat of anointing and authority to lead our worship ministry. Not me. Not us. We have to be willing to just simply start by saying yes to serving one another, to being kind to one another, to looking for an opportunity to make things better. I heard this, uh, I've, I've been meeting, some of you know this, I've been meeting with a, a group of pastors in Lubbock, Texas. It's, it's been wonderful. It is, oh, it's, it's blessed my heart so much, just the discipleship and the mentorship that I've found there. And one of the things, as we, we were talking about pastors, you know, how important it is to establish culture. And one of the things that Pastor Jackie, who is the pastor of Church on the Rock, uh, big, big church, right? Built it from nothing to what it is today. A profound and wonderful man. And one of the things that lives in his head is make it better. If you're walking through the hall of the church, you see a piece of trash, he goes and he picks it up because you make it better. And that is, that is a reflection of a heart of service, a heart that desires to serve those around. And I, and I think if we just desired as a people to each and every day make every situation that we find ourselves in, just make it better. Just make it better. The only way to make it better is to serve to be kind, to love, to nurture, to cherish, and to invest. It's the only way we do it. It's the only way we do it. That's why I loved, I loved the opportunity to mow the churchyard. 
because it was an opportunity for me to invest in something that so many other pastors would say, that's not your job. (laughs) Yes, it is. Of course it is. My job is not just to stand up here and preach. My job is to listen and serve this community. Right? That is all of our jobs. Every single one of us in this house has been anointed by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to serve Sundown, Texas. To serve the people of it. To serve the leadership. Those that we agree with and those that we disagree with. But to be those that just desire to make it better. Make it better. To serve those around us. We need to learn, church, to serve that which we don't fully understand because the world desperately needs to see this. And all of this comes down to one thing. Trust. Not in man, but in the living God. That He is sovereign. That He is moving and that He is working in our midst. To trust Him. And then trust between one another comes very, very quickly. If we trust Him in relationship, and you can't trust Him if you don't have relationship, and if you have relationship, you'll have experience, so you won't stop short of experience for knowledge. You will have experience, you will have revelation, you will have encounter, you will learn who He is and how, that he, how He is for you, how He's always been for you and how He's for your neighbor and those around you and you will trust Him to do what He said He's going to do. And then if you trust Him, you begin to recognize Him in others and then you begin to trust them as well. You begin to trust the leadership, you begin to trust those around you. But we have got to first, we have got to trust God. We've got to trust in the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God. I am so blown away at how often we come to this place, myself included, but the reality is is that we just simply do not trust in the goodness of God. So often we get to this place uh, of, uh, you know, we've got a difficult circumstance, we've got something coming up, and we're just like, Lord, where are you? It's like he worked a miracle for you the day before and you've already forgotten. Because we just don't trust in his goodness. You know that he's good even on a bad day? Do you know that he's good even on a bad day? Just think about that reality for a second. Praise God for that fact that my bad day does not affect his goodness. I do not want to serve a God whose goodness is dictated by whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. I can wake up in a bad mood, no problem. And then all of a sudden, Lord's goodness is gone. 24 hours. Try again tomorrow. No. The goodness of God does not falter, does not waver, is everlasting and steadfast no matter what circumstances we face. Can we just trust in the goodness of God that even though I may not not agree with this person, I will serve him because the Lord has called me here for such a time as this to serve this community. I will serve them. I will invest. And I can trust the goodness of God is going to make something good happen out of that. Jesus came. What did Jesus do? Jesus came and he served. Jesus came and he loved. Jesus came. He washed his disciples' feet. He served the people around him. Every miracle was not... It wasn't coming from a selfish pace. It was coming from a place of compassion to serve them, to make their life better. To show them the love of God that is for them and not against them that comes through service. We need to have a servant's heart. 
Not a servant's heart that's bound in chain and chains because we're not slaves. We get to choose. We get to choose to serve. And this city needs a people who choose to serve it. So everything that the Lord has released and the main message in this morning. Are we serving the vision that the Lord has spoken? Are we serving what He's already given us to serve? Or are we just sitting back waiting on the next revelation? We've got to do what He's told us to do first. He's told us to move forward. He's told us to establish the kindness of God, the goodness of God, and to trust Him, to invest, to study, to, 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 to dive into understanding the gifts of the Spirit that we could be stewards of those when He releases those in our midst. He's asked us to serve this city. Are we willing to step into that? Do we trust that His way is better? Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can we serve that which has not originated in us? Can we press into Him and serve that which He has already revealed to us for this city? He has said, just think about this for a second. I say it all the time, and I say it all the time, not that we would just get desensitized to it, but so that we would just remember the magnitude of this, that this city could look, and that the Lord desires it to look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city in a state in a country. Are we serving that vision? Are we serving it? Are we each and every day seeking to establish more of the kingdom and less of the world? Or are we buying into more of the world? One of the first things that the Lord said when I came into this and, uh, as pastor, and I, we, that, was a, that was a crazy transition time with the pandemic and just all the shaking and the, just the political unrest in our country. And the Lord just simply said, I, I desire in this house bridge builders, not those that stand on either side but those that stand in the middle and build a bridge connecting one side to another are we serving that vision or are we serving the vision of the world that desires division what are we serving are we serving that which the Lord has released or are we serving that which originated in us do you hear what I'm saying church in order to lead vision we've got to serve vision So in order for this house to lead, we've got to start by serving this community as it is now. Serve it. Love it. Serve those that are in position of leadership. Serve those that, uh, you know, we, I don't know how people get hired in city and all that different stuff like that, but they're there. Are we serving them? Are we serving these people? Are we seeking to help make their lives better? Are we seeking to help And help them to understand that when they turn around, they will not be standing alone. But we will be standing with them. That if they fall back, we'll catch them. I don't have to catch, I don't have to agree with somebody to help them back up. Right? I don't have to agree with them. We don't have to see eye to eye on everything for me to be for them and not against them. That, and that's really the issue that we see in the world today. And this is really just to make sure that we are, we are staying in what the Lord would have us stay in. But because I don't see eye to eye, I will not help you. That's the world that we live in. Because I do not agree with everything about you, I will not help you. That was not Jesus. 
That was not the way that, that is not the Jesus that we know. He disagreed with most of the people. He came to stir up trouble. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's just making a bunch of people mad. Still serving them. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, seeking to destabilize that which the Lord was doing. What did Jesus do? He invited him to join his ministry. Saul, on the way to destroy Christians, what did Jesus do? He invited him to join him. They were on opposite sides. But to Jesus, it was just a child that didn't know he was a child yet. It was a brother that didn't know that he was a brother. It was an anointed one that didn't know the anointing that was on his life that needed to be discovered, only to be discovered because someone was willing to serve them and love them even though they disagreed with them. Ananias, when the Lord said to go to Saul and anoint him, to pray over him that the scales would fall off of his eyes and anoint him as Paul from that day forward, who would then write a majority of the New Testament. What was Ananias saying? Dude, this guy's bad news. He's killed a lot of us already. I don't know. I don't want to go there. I hate him. I mean, he, he held the, the cloaks while they stoned Stephen. He was the coat rack for everybody. Like it was a check-in at a party. Like he was the valet. Like, hey, everybody have a nice time in there. As they stoned a man to death that just sought to lead them into righteousness. But Ananias in obedience, and Ananias didn't know. And the Lord said, I, I have a call on him. Greater than you can understand. He's important. So Ananias went, not understanding, not agreeing, but obedient to the Lord. And we have the New Testament because of his obedience. You've got to understand this. We don't hear a lot about Ananias, but he, he served a vision he did not understand. And I, I would dare say he did not totally agree with. But he, he desired to serve the Lord, the living God, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have the New Testament. You hear what I'm saying? The importance of serving and being a servant's heart. I just want to make sure that we in this house are those people. I don't know why the Lord has had this on my heart for several weeks, but I have been reminded. I know it's personally for me there's application, of course. But I have been reminded of this quote from Kindle. To, to lead vision, one must first serve vision. Can we be those people? Can we serve this community? You already have. We've done it in a great way, but there is more that is coming and more that's needed. You need to hear this. Uh, on Wednesday nights, it has gotten to the point where there's, it's, it's like standing room only in the fellowship hall. That's how it was when I came here. And then we stopped doing the meals and that kind of dissipated. And Melissa and Hunter and, and the Diaz's have just built this ministry back up. And with, I mean, not like, it's not like we're making them five course meals or anything. We've got like snacks. But there's just some, the Lord is doing something here and these kids are coming. And it's coming to this point where it's like, we need help. Because these kids are overflowing out of this building. Is that a bad problem to have? Praise God. I want to run out of room. I want to run out of room. I want us to seriously have to seriously look at where the heck are we going to meet? Because we don't have the space anymore. 
right? But it's because of people like Melissa, like the Diaz's, like Hunter, who had a desire to serve these kids before they had a call to be in the positions that they're in. That's it. Hunter didn't know what this was going to turn into, that I was just going to totally give him junior high and say, hey, good luck, kid. But he texted me one Sunday. He says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I want to serve the youth. That was his text message. The Diaz's, we don't know what this is going to look like, but we want to serve these kids. We want to love on these kids. And I'm pretty sure they need to buy a new house because there's just not, not enough room. Good thing they live outside, or they've got like property, so they can just like overflow. But they're out of room. Melissa's out of room. Kids, five-year-olds, baptized, anointed. We were praying last night. Um, it was the simplest little thing. But you know when you're praying, it's, it's so encouraging when you're praying and you hear somebody in agreement with you, right? You just, mm, amen. Yes, Lord. And as I'm praying, my five-year-old is doing that. He's saying, amen. Amen. And I'm, I'm praying with my eyes open because I'm looking at him. I'm trying to see, is he, being, is he trying to tell daddy, like, land the plane, pops, like, I want to go to sleep. Uh, and no, he's... Amen. He's in it. He's invested in it. That's because she desired to serve our kids, love our kids, before she was called to be the children's minister of this house. Do you see what happens when you desire to serve first? Doors open. Doors open. And, and lives are transformed and ministries are built up because that's the foundation of Jesus's, to serve those that need him. That's the ministry of reconciliation. We have an opportunity to do that in this city. Let's not forget that that is the opportunity that we have in Sundown, Texas. To serve this city. What an honor it is to serve these people. No one else is coming. You are it. You are the ones called. I don't say that to discourage you. No one else is coming. You're on your own. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying... The Lord doesn't need anybody else. He just needed you. That's what I'm saying. There's no reinforcements. You don't need reinforcements. You've been anointed to be the ones to serve this city, that this city would be transformed because we decided to love it and invest in it. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.